Well, we're concluding a series of messages this morning on uh, worship. Worship, it's what you were made for. And uh, though this is certainly not exhaustive, we hope that some of what we've shared will open up your hearts and minds and understanding to who God is and how we relate to him in worship. In this time, we learned that God was cre- created us as worshiping beings. There is something deep inside us, an impulse that needs to worship, that needs to find expression in worship. And God is supposed to be the object of that worship of ours. And the problem is that worship can easily be misplaced and we can put our love and affection and worship to something that is far less noble and unworthy uh, including self-worship with, with which so many of us uh, engage ourselves in. Uh, God created us, this is the incredible thing, to be in relationship with him. God created us to have a relationship with him. And, and I love the, uh, the Westminster Shorter Catechism. It says the chief end of man is to glorify God And enjoy him forever. Do you know that God wants you to enjoy him and enjoy the relationship you have with him? And God desires in this relationship that we would respond to his goodness and we would respond um, to his grace uh, to us uh, with grateful worship. Um, that, That we would honor him and appreciate him and respect him and love him and live for him and rejoice in him and celebrate and serve because he is worthy. I want you to watch this video for just a second. These are expressions of worship that uh, we put out to our life group and said, give us words that express worship. How do we respond to God? And uh, these are what uh, you came up with. And because he is worthy, uh, we, we worship him. 
And, and we learned that uh, in the New Testament that we moved from the Old Testament era into the New Testament in such a way that no longer are we bound to a time and place for worship. That God is not seen as localized in a temple where we go to worship. God came in Christ and gave us the Holy Spirit so that we, our bodies, become the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in us. And that means that we are supposed to worship at all times and in all places, in every circumstance. We're aware that God is with us. And that means worship is something that happens everywhere and uh, at uh, all times. And that our whole life is an expression of worship. When we live our lives in the presence of God, living in the presence of God, it includes every aspect of our life. We said it includes things like eating and drinking, uh, things as mundane as that, uh, working, our relationships, our families, um, our leisure time, our activities. Everything is to be done in our life to honor God and in this video, it showed so many of the words that we think about in terms of responding to God. And uh, over the last few weeks, we've looked at a few of these different areas. We talked about serving God and how we worship musically and how we give to God and, and others and, and different aspects of worship. But today we want to conclude with one last aspect of worship. Um, and uh, it, it's one area that's critical and indispensable, a way that God demands that we worship him. And so I just want to kind of set this for you. First, I want to say that God alone is to be worshipped. God alone is to be worshipped. In, in Exodus 20, we have uh, the giving of the Ten Commandments. And God begins in Exodus 20, verses 1 to 3. By saying this, God spoke all these words. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt. I redeemed you. I brought you out of the the land of slavery. And here's the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. No other gods that uh, compete with me for the love and allegiance that you have to me. Other gods and idolatry was forbidden by God's people. Martin Luther, in his description of idolatry, said that um, what, whatever your heart clings to and relies upon for ultimate security is an, is an idol. It's a false god. Whatever claims your loyalty, the loyalty that belongs to God, including images and other things, it's out. God will brook no rival. God is to be God alone. He is to be the object of our worship. God who created everything, we owe to him. He gave us life. God who sustains us and sustains everything exists. Everything is to be to the glory of God. Everything is uh, to be, um, all worship is to head uh, directly to God. And God wants that, core, that, that worship for us, exclusive worship. He doesn't want to compete. In Isaiah 42, in verse 8, it says this, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. I don't share my glory with anyone because nothing and no one else is worthy of the glory that God is worthy of. As, as the creator of the universe and sustainer of it he alone is worth and he's not about to share uh, that with anything that is inferior 
so God is the only being worthy of our worship. And he's very clear about that. I don't share that. So how do we express that worship? Uh, well, we looked at many of the words were expressions of how we show God that he is number one in our life. But there was another, uh, there, there was uh, a, a description in, in, in that first commandment, no other gods. There's another expression of the first commandment that comes in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. And it's probably familiar to many of us by now. And here's what God says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Let me give you just another little twist on this, what I think the meaning of this is. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone. He's one God. There's one God, the Lord alone. And here's our response to him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. This is it. Worship is to be defined by loving God. So we love God because he calls for that, our love and our allegiance. And the, the expression of what that worship means, he says, is to love God with the totality of your being. Love God with all of your heart. That's your mind and your emotion to the Hebrews. That was what, what made you, your, your heart encompassed all of that. Your rational ability and your emotive uh, side. And all your soul, the whole life principle inside, in, in you. And all your strength, everything you've got, give God everything you have. Do it with all your might. Love him totally. That's worship. Put him first. And make him the recipient of your greatest allegiance and your deepest affection. What do you, uh, let me ask you a question. What do you obsess about? What are the things that capture your mind and you think most about? Oh, it's this car. Oh, I can't stop thinking about this car. Or this guy, he is so good looking. And oh, I, I just think about him all the time, all the time. And what, what do you obsess about? God wants you to obsess about him. He wants you to think about him. He wants to be on your mind. Well, how do you do that? How do you love God? Well, he give, we're, we're given an understanding, and it's this. Loving God involves obeying his commandments. We're supposed to worship God alone, and that worship is to love him totally. And to love him totally means to obey his commandments. Listen to what Jesus said in John 14 and 15. He said this, If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Obey my commandments. Uh, You can say you love Jesus. He wants proof. He wants wants to know that, that what you say is not just something you say meaninglessly. That's not worth anything, but it's backed up by action. You, you can imagine a husband says to his wife, I love you. Uh, you know, it, it, this is funny. Um, I, I think in, in my life I've seen this where when I was younger, I don't remember people saying I love you like they do now. Um, and, and I'm talking about family members. You know, you, you get off the phone, love you, love you. And, and I, I'm all for that. I, I wonder though that it's easy to say love you, but one proof and so a husband says to his wife, I love you. Um, but he works, and he works a lot of overtime. And when he's not working overtime, he goes to the golf course. And when he's not at the golf course, 
He's got his feet up in front of the TV watching the ball game. And he has no time for you, doesn't invest anything in you, doesn't do anything uh, with, with his wife. Uh, he's selfish. I love you. Love you, hon. Or he's having an affair. Love you. I mean, love, love requires proof in action. And, and, uh, and, and so what God says, when Jesus said, if you love me, what I want you to do is keep my commandments. And we express worship in love when we do that. You see, you can say, I love God, I love Christ all day long, but you need to have something to back it up. In 1 John 5, 3, John writes this. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commandments. This is a theme. To love God is to keep his commandments. It's to do what he says. It's to do what he asks us to do. Uh, and, and do you see what he says here? And his commands are not burdensome. His commands are not burdensome. Do you know, some people, I think, they think about faith, and, and, and I hope you don't, but some people think about faith and they think, oh, man, to be a follower of Christ, what a drag. I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do this, I got to do this, I got to go here, I got to give money, I've got to do this. Oh, man, what a drag. I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want to be a follower of Christ. It's such a burden. You know, everybody's out there having a great time. What am I supposed to do? Stay at home and read my Bible all day and not eat and and fast. And, you know, what a drag. Following God is such a burden. He says, it's not a burden. It's not a burden. It's a delight to please God and to bring joy. Gerda and I had the, the great honor and privilege a number of years ago of helping uh, one of our family members come to faith in Christ. And, and I, remember, uh, I remember the discussions we had, and I could see God working and how great, uh, how, how wonderfully he was working and the openness they had. And, and, and one of them said, I, I said, there's something, there's something that's kind of hindering you. I said, is it that you look at our life and you think, nah, I'm not sure. I could live that life because we didn't do some things that they did and we did other things that they didn't do. And, and, and she said, yeah, that's it. And I said, well, well I, you know, I, I, I hope that you won't let that stand in the way of something that is a great, uh, the, the greatest experience you'll ever have and greatest relationship you'll ever have. And, and that, that if you, you won't let that stand in the way, but you'll open your heart and I didn't say, all right, you, you have to do this, and you can't do this, and you have to do... Th-. None of that. None of that. But there was a sense. And, and that's not a bad thing, because Jesus even says, I want you to count the cost before you sign on with me. Count the cost, because I want you to follow me totally. Uh, if, I want you to lose your life for my sake, so you can find it in me. And uh, here's, here's the neat thing. So they both made a commitment to Christ. We never told them anything that you have to do or you can't, you can't do this. Or you can't. We never said any of that. But what we watched over the next few months is how God began to change them. That they didn't have an appetite for things that they thought would be really important to them. And things that didn't seem that important were really now significant for them. I told you about the experience I had in, in, in the first guy we had come to faith in Alpha. And uh, this guy... Church was boring. It was unappealing to him. He went with his wife once, 
maybe twice a year out of, out of uh, necessity to try and shut his wife up, who'd keep asking him to come to church. And then the neatest thing happened. Um, he, he became a follower of Christ. And I remember he, he came and, and he said to me um, one day at church, he said, you know what? You said that you'd never, you don't want to be anywhere else but here, worshiping God. He said, it's so true, isn't it? And I'm going like, Bob? Bob, what happened to you? He realized how wonderful it is to be in a relationship with God. It's not a burden. It's an absolute delight. See, God is so worthy, and when he touches your heart and your soul, he, he begins to change you from the inside out. Listen to, uh, here's an expression of obeying God in Deuteronomy 13. I love the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, Deuteronomy is Moses' swan song before he's going off the scene. And, and he's calling God's people like, like, a, like a patriarch. He's going to leave them behind. He's going to die. They're going to go into the promised land. And he pours out his heart over and over. He says this in Deuteronomy 13.4. It's the Lord your God you must follow. Listen to the words that he uses. First, you need to follow him. Who are you following? Allow him to to guide you in the pathway that you need to go. Follow his path. Go in the course that he has. Follow him. And then he goes on to say, and you must revere him. You must respect him. You must hold him in reverence. Um, in, In some of the older versions, it says fear. To fear him. And that, that's literally what the word meant. But to have respect for him. And then, and then he goes on. Keep his commandments. Those key, that keeping is to treasure it and retain it. And, and, and celebrate it. And, and do it. And live it out. And then he says, and obey him. And that, that literally that obey him is listen to his voice. Listen to what he says and do it. Yield to his will and then serve him. Pastor Daniel did a whole message on serving. Serve God. Do his bidding as his servant. And then hold fast to him. Cling to him in loyalty. Um, and, and cling to him in your affection to him. That's worship. See, worship is love. And love is keeping the commands of God. And next... The mission of the church involves Jesus uh, involves teaching Jesus followers to obey everything he's commanded. The mission of the church involves teaching Jesus followers to obey everything he has commanded. Uh, listen to what it says in Matthew uh, 28, 19 and 20. This is the great commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and then this, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That's it. The mission of the church is to help people come to faith in Christ, to baptize them so that they make a public confession of that faith, and then spend the rest of their life learning to obey what Jesus had commanded. To to uh, week by week, listen, you know, when we come together, we listen to hear what God is teaching us so that we can bring our lives into conformity with it. Whether it's our, our youth or our children downstairs in our life groups, here in our, in our uh, uh, services, um, in Bible studies, it, it's, we're learning to obey everything 
that God has commanded. To think about it, to absorb it, to meditate on it, and to apply it and live it out. See, the mission statement, the the new mission statement we have is to lead people to know Jesus Christ and to follow him passionately. That's what it is. That's living a life of worship 24-7. And God calls us to do that. So how, do we, how is it that we worship by living this out? And so I want to say next, so to worship God involves knowing the will of God and doing it. So our whole thing is, God, what do you want? Teach me what you want. Teach me what your will is, and then help me to be obedient in following it and doing it. And that's our commitment That's what we do week after week after week here as we proclaim God's word and what God wants us to do with it by the Holy Spirit takes and applies that in our life so that our life comes into conformity with him, that we demonstrate our love through our obedience. And, uh, you know, that's why we do life groups. Now, I I know I've heard some of the, uh, I've heard some of the, I don't want to call it a complaint. And some say, you know, why do we have to do life groups on this on what we did in the sermon, like we did that. Let's do something else. You know, I, I've, been, I've been in churches where we filled our heads so full of knowledge, but we never practiced. And God is not interested in how much you know. He is not impressed by that if you're not doing it. And so what, why we do what we do is because we take seriously what Jesus said when he said, teach them to obey everything I've commanded. I tell you, in our life group, we have, we have been growing uh, deeper and, and able to to take down the masks a little bit and, real, and, and, and be real. Uh, we, had, we had a tough topic last week, worship through giving. And yet I found in our group there was a, a real openness. People were, you know, kind of disclosing things that they felt safe enough to disclose as we talk about what does it mean to love God through giving, to worship him through giving, and, and how does materialism get a grip on us, and how do we, how do, we uh, do that? So you can have a PhD in theology, and you can be a total spiritual flop. God wants you to know so that you do. And that's why we do life groups the way we do. Now, I want to ask you a question. How are you doing? What does God want from you? We had a, we had a baptismal service today because people said, God wants me to do this. All right, no questions asked. I'm in. Now, I, I, I want to talk to some of you who have not yet been baptized. And you're thinking, well, you know, it's been so long since I became a Christian. Do I really have to do that? And, well, it's kind of kind of humiliating at my stage of life because, you know, don't make excuses. See, when I preach, when I stand up here and proclaim the word of God, I'm praying that the spirit of God will take the word of God and apply it to your heart however he wants you to do so that you become the person he wants you to do, so that you're doing what he wants you to do. And, and I want to encourage you, if you have not yet been baptized, uh, we're having another baptismal service in July get call us contact us let's sit down and talk about that um in in john 14 if you love me keep my commandments in the context of that jesus had given a new commandment remember in john 13 he said new commandment i give you it's this love one another as i have loved you the bible is full of instructions about what god wants for us And, and and we're, we're to respond to that by doing what God says. So we learn week by week and we apply. Uh, you know, so uh, love your neighbor. 
Show kindness and grace. Be honest. Be hardworking. Be faithful. Be morally pure. Forgiving. Good to your enemies. Serve God through the church and outside of the church. Um, Give and and be generous. Uh, Care for your family. Instruct your children in the faith. Respect authority. I mean, week after week after week after week, we delve into God's word. Here's what God's saying to us. Now, how do we have to respond to that? And on and on. So, So it's a whole lifetime exercise of learning and growing to be more like him. Keisha, I wish that we were singing this morning, let the church say amen. Let the church say amen. God has spoken. God has spoken. And we say amen. Let it be so. Uh, I, I agree with that. And I'll bring my life into conformity with that. And that's what we come for week after week. How God pours out his blessing on his children. You know, some people think, oh man, what a drag. I, I, I told you, I, I had a guy once whose life was in total shambles and, and, and talking about coming to faith in Christ. He looked at me with all sincerity and like this guy's, everything in this guy's life had gone south. It was terrible. And here he was all alone. He said, well, if I became a Christian, what would I do for fun? I'm thinking, dude, your wife left you. You've ta- she's taken the baby. Your best friend is having an affair with your mother. You know, what do you, what, and you're sitting here alone and thinking, what would I do for fun? Come on, man. Open up your eyes. See, God doesn't do this stuff to make our life miserable. God gives us these boundaries that he might bless us as we walk. Can, can you imagine, can you imagine what, what it would be like If you didn't need virus protection on your computer because somebody's trying to hack it and destroy it or get money from you. Can you imagine what it would be like in a world where there was no adultery, there was no divorce, there was, I mean, that stuff was unheard of. Where, where the truth was always told. Where you didn't have to put locks on your house because people stole from you. Uh, where, where you had uh, terrible and harmful ad- addictions, where, where people were killing each other and there was war and, there, and there, there's bullying and belittling and, and people have terrible self-image and, and they struggle with mental health issues. Can you, can you imagine a society in which we all followed God? I mean, that would, that would be heaven on earth. That's what, that's what we're going to. And his... His, uh, his commands are not burdensome. It, no, I tell you this. I don't think anybody in the world has more fun than I do. I mean, I enjoy life. I enjoy serving God and all the rest of it. You, you can't tell me when I see people who are so messed up because of sin in their life and their relationships and all the other things and think, well, you know, I mean, that's what I really want. No, it's not. It's not burdensome when it's done for love. I, you know, it's, it's really interesting when I see sometimes a, uh, a young couple and they're so in love, they're so smitten. And they think, you know, he thinks about her all the time. She thinks about him. They sit on the phone three hours in the evening and talk about nothing. And the time passes and, and he'd sacrifice anything for, you know what? It's not a burden. I just want to be with her. I just want to be with him. I just, I, you know, and that's what it is. It's not a burden. The, the, the commands of God are not a burden. 
And Jesus concluded the Sermon on the Mount, and he had a little story. And he said, you know what? The person who hears what I say and puts it into practice is like the person who built their house upon the rock. And the winds came and battered against it, and it stood. And then some poor guy uh, listened, but never put into application. Built, it's like building his house on the sand, and the storm came and washed everything away. I'll tell you what, God wants to bless your life. God wants to pour into you blessing as you take and say, God has put boundaries on my life for my good, that I, could, I can rejoice in that, and I can have his protection. And, and that's my prayer uh, for you. His commandments are not burdensome, and it is the most joyful life that you can have. In fact, we're going to start a series next week on joy from the book of Philippians. And, and I trust God will, will bless you in that. And, and here's, here's the beautiful thing. Here's the beautiful thing. God created us to bear his image in the world. The perfect image bearer was Jesus Christ. He perfectly bore the image of God on earth. And we, as we turn to him, as we obey him, as we listen to him, he begins to change us that we become more and more like Jesus. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all, with unveiled faces, behold the glory of the Lord. We gaze into the glory of of the Lord, of, of Jesus Christ. We see him in all of his beauty. We, he, we see how he lived his life. We hear his teaching and what he's asked from us. And he says, those of us who are beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed in the same in image from glory to glory to glory to glory, from one degree to another to another to another. And the beauty and the glory of Christ is seen in us. And, and here's something that you'll find when you read through the Old Testament. That people become like what they worship. You worship gods of immorality, that's what you become. If you worship the Lord God, you become more and more like him. And the glory of Jesus will be seen in you. What a wonderful thing. When we look at him in all of his beauty... He transforms us. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And all the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Father, help us to express our worship to you through love that obeys what you want. Father, you know each one of us. You know what we're struggling with. You know what we're, what we're battling. You, you know what are, are areas that are contentious in our life and that there's a battle between us and you. Father, I pray that week by week as we come, that you would open our hearts that, and we would say yes to you when we see and hear what you're teaching us and what you're telling us, how you want us to live and how you want us to be. And I pray, Father, that you would... Uh, would work in us to make us more like Jesus. And Lord, we would, in a very fitting way, offer you the very best of our worship, that you would be number one in our life, and that we would love you more than we would love life itself. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.